Welcome to Sasquatch Island. My name is Tom Seawood and I'll be your host and Indian guide as I share with you some perspectives from my First Nations life and culture uh, pertaining to Sasquatch. So today's podcast, Sasquatch Island with Monster X Radio, is Sasquatch and Herring 2021. Today's my birthday, March 7th, and I was reminded as I'm sitting here in Kent, Washington, of the many decades where on this day I would be on a commercial salmon herring saner somewhere on the British Columbia coast, usually on the west coast of Vancouver Island this time of March or on the east coast of Vancouver Island. Keeping in touch with some of the family members who are out on those herring boats, they're on standby for a fishery on eastern Vancouver Island between Nanaimo and a place called Comox up in the northeastern side of Vancouver Island. There's uh, been a lot of news about the British Columbia herring fishery because there's only one area that's now open for commercial herring fishing for the last decade or so, and that's the eastern side of Vancouver Island, known as the Gulf of Georgia, or as we call it, the SOG, the Strait of Georgia. Well, a lot of... uh, misinformed environmentalists they're saying that it should be stopped and banned and all the commercial fishermen should be unemployed well this year i didn't go out commercial herring fishing because i had an injury back in august when i was salmon seining and uh it's uh, recommended that i don't go on the boats for hopefully i'll be able to get out in the salmon season but anyway i'm not out herring but talking to the herring fishermen they're telling me that they're within a day or two of the herring eggs ripening, meaning that the row yield will be 10 to 14% of the fish. And it's prime number one, the egg egg sacs are nice and yellow. They look like a banana. You'll see it in the pictures that are accompanying this podcast. And those herring are going to hit the shallows right up into the beach where it's a couple inches deep. The water looks like someone poured milk in it from the milk from the males as the spawning takes place and for miles if you're up in a helicopter or an airplane you can see the water that looks like milk has been poured into it from the spawn and it just indicates how big it is i hear that there's over a hundred thousand tons in the sog which is really good to hear because last year there was 68,000 plus tons and test fishing boats which the Federal Department of Fisheries and Oceans, Canada, equivalent to the U.S. Fish and Game. They have them all over the coast right now, and some of the reports coming in from western Vancouver Island this morning are saying that they've never seen that much herring in many years in a place called Nootka on the west coast, where it's just massive schools upon schools in the lower part of the inlet at the opening to the Pacific Ocean. So this is really good news, and good news for the Sasquatches because when those herring hit the beaches to spawn, they'll be in the shallows, and it's been reported through the years that Sasquatches have been seen walking around knee-deep, bending down, grabbing the herring one after another, and just chewing them and swallowing them. And I've documented in a lot of reports with Sasquatch Island on my Facebook group. I've, through the years, though, I've gotten so many different stories not just about herring but throughout the year and that's what this podcast is all about it's just about my unique lifestyle I've led where I've been a commercial fisherman for over 45 years 
And from the pictures that I'm going to share with the podcast on the slideshow, and I'll probably possibly do a video cast as well, you'll see that it's a unique fishery. Big, huge wooden and steel and aluminum boats. And back in the good old days when the 80s and 90s, we used to travel all over the British Columbia coast, hitting the different herring spawns. And uh, you're sitting there a lot of time at anchor or tied to docks. And if you are at anchor, you're jumping in the power skiff and you're motoring over to other boats to talk to friends and family, trade magazines and videos back in the day. Then it became DVDs. And you always have time to dock talk, we call it. Just sit there and shoot the BS and, you know, talk about everything from the fishery to whatever. But me, through my decades of being a commercial fisherman going all over the British Columbia coast, I was always eager to ask that question. Hey, what do you know about Sasquatches, otherwise known as Bigfoot? And I would sit there for hours listening to the accounts from the different places on the coast even from people who went up into the interior of British Columbia to go hunting and they had their encounters and that's something that I hold that's very unique compared to the other Sasquatch investigators out there because I've been a commercial fisherman and I've traveled the coast I've not only seen unique areas that few people will ever get to see in their lifetime and I've done my investigating i've walked up the beach and into the forest and through the forest into the alpines you know i was you know mostly just exploring i wasn't an investigator until the last i guess eight years or so but i always had that thought on my mind keep your eyes open for a sasquatch or sign of them you know i come across a few questionable things through the years heard and smelled a few things in different parts of the coast as i've shared with everyone but the greatest part was listening to the elders, and a lot of them aren't with us when I used to be on wheel shift, it's called. So whether we were traveling to a fishery or coming back loaded from a fishery, you're sitting on the bridge with your wheel shift partner, and most of the time my shift was in the middle of the night, and we didn't have good radios on there to listen to music and that, so you would just sit there and I'd always ask questions to those old timers, most of them being family members from the Kwakwakiwak Nation. And they would share me the legends and stories that their family had about Chonakwa, our Sasquatch. But then at times they would tell me, not usually them, but from what they heard in the bars or on the docks about other people who had encounters with Sasquatch. And the central coast of British Columbia, the west coast of Vancouver Island, Queen Charlotte Islands, those seem to be the hot spots for Sasquatch activity this time of year during the herring spawn. So hopefully, you know, some of you people that are enthusiasts and uh, investigators, hopefully you'll listen to this and always be reminded that the beginning of March through until the first week of April throughout British Columbia's coast, the herring spawns are taking place. If you reach out to the locals or the First Nations, even the commercial fishermen, and ask them about an area you might want to go investigate in, they'll tell you where the herring spawns take place and within what two or three week window. And hopefully you too can be there and watch the green emerald waters of coastal British Columbia turn glacier green like someone's poured milk into that salt water. And you'll witness the millions of seagulls and eagles seals and sea lions whales and everything is just feasting 
on the herring during the daytime. Nighttime, of course, seals and sea lions, they're doing it still. But at nighttime, you want to go to those places that are sort of secluded, isolated. Use your flurs, use your spotlight if you hear or see something on the flur. And hopefully you too will increase your chances by listening to this podcast with Sasquatch Island and knowing about a high abundant seasonal protein in the Pacific Northwest that most Sasquatch investigators that I've spoken to don't even equate into the whole equation of trying to find that close encounter of the hairy kind with a Sasquatch. And what better time than after the winter? We're just leading up into spring. I'm looking out my window. I see one of the trees is getting blossoms. I seen some cherry blossoms the other day. And that first huge accumulation of protein is found throughout the whole Pacific Northwest with the herring spawn taking place. I also mentioned in the last podcast about the smelt, otherwise known as ooligans, that are spawning in the glacier melt rivers this time of year as well. So it's an abundant time. It's a time that, you know, we had a lot of wind and rain and a little bit of snow on the coast. But there was no fresh fruits or berries. You know, the shellfish was abundant. But as far as salmon and fawn drops and greenery and things like that, it was in low abundance. So now that these herring are coming back to spawn, there's going to be areas on the British Columbia coast where those Sasquatches are probably already hunkered down watching those seagulls and sea lions. And when they see those seagulls start hitting the shallows for the herring that are spawning and the water starts to turn that milky green, they'll probably be out at nighttime like the reports say. And they'll be gorging on the herring, filling their belly. Something to think about. I know it's an amazing thing. And just for some of you that are going to see the pictures, you know, you'll see pictures of me in a power skiff. I was a pretty young buck back then. I think I was 19 years old. You'll see pictures of me with my son back in 2020 last year where I got to bring him out on a commercial herring fishery in the SOG. And it was the first time in his life that he'd ever been on a commercial herring seine fishery. And you can see by the pictures with his smile and his big eyes and his grin that he was just enthralled with the whole moment. And hopefully those pictures I'm sharing with you will give you a little taste of how exciting it was for me to be commercial fishing for herring. Not so much now in the last few years because we're under quota, meaning we know how many tons of herring each licensed boat can catch for their pool, it's called. Just to make it simple, we basically know exactly how many tons per boat we're going to get. We know how much money we're going to make before we even leave the ports at the beginning of the season. Well, that wasn't the case back in the good old days from, the, I guess it was around uh, 2000, uh, 1999 and prior. Those were the rodeo days. Some of you that watch Deadliest Catch, you hear about the rodeo days in the commercial king crab fishery. Well, the commercial herring fishery was more extreme in British Columbia back in the rodeo days. I remember they'd put 180 boats in one area and they'd say this is the area where the fishery is going to take place so there would only be those 100 plus boats in that area outside of the I guess you could say the lines where they drew told you on the radio and you marked on your chart outside of that would be the support fleets the boats that would help catch uh, pack the herring scout boats the air would be just 
buzzing with float planes scouting for the different companies because back then there was like uh, eight or nine different companies in the British Columbia coast and of course everyone's competing with one another and when our fishing game the fisheries came on the VHF radio and they said attention the row heron fishing fleet they didn't even finish the word attention and those captains hit the throttles big puffs of black smoke horns were honking to let the power skiff go and my job was to slam that thing in the reverse on the power skiff and hit full throttle and tow the net off the stern of the boat so that it could pay out and then tow the end of the net and close up and hopefully get a huge set of herring to make a lot of money because it was a rodeo you didn't know what you're going to make and if you didn't get herring you weren't going to make nothing if you got 500 tons or more you can make some serious cash and I had some good years really good years and I had other years which were average in most cases and I even had a couple disaster seasons back in the rodeo days but the excitement when it used to take place it was just amazing and hopefully you can get a sense of that when you look at the pictures on the slideshow with this podcast but when you do look at the pictures look at the shores look at the mountains and everything and just keep in mind that those are places from throughout British Columbia's coast, places like uh, uh, Queen Charlotte Islands. We used to fish places like uh, Atlin Inlet, Rose Harbor in the south down by Ninstant Skungwai, the United Nations World Heritage Site with the totem poles still standing. We used to be in a place called Jedway. We'd be in the central coast of British Columbia and in, in uh, Nikas Inlet, Seaforth Channel, and then up in the north British Columbia coast, we would fish at the beginning of April in a place called Kit Katla. And at the beginning of the season was always the SOG, the Strait of Georgia, which is the Sailor Sea or the eastern side of Vancouver Island. But that would either be before or after a deering. We would have the other fishery for herring on the west coast of Vancouver Island in uh, Barkley Sound, the world famous Euculet Pacific Rim area. We'd fish out there. Some years, years ago, we'd even up in the northern British Columbia coast around Nootka, we'd fish up there and Esperanza. It was just amazing to leave in the beginning of February to go to Vancouver and uh, work in the net loss, preparing the nets for the herring season. And usually around the last week of February, we'd head out and we'd be out traveling the entire British Columbia coast right up until mid-April when we returned back home to Campbell River on eastern Vancouver Island but I would be in places tied up like Clem 2 where Les Stroud went. I remember decades ago back in the late 80s being tied up in Clem 2 and talking to the tribe members from the Kitsu Heihei Nation there and you know they'd be kind of silent at first until you know you got chattering with them and you know they realized they're you know you guys are pretty cool you're visitors to their community and then there was Tommy 10,000 questions. Hey, what do you know about the Sasquatch? And I remember those times in Clem 2, Bella Bella, Hartley Bay, Kit Katla, you know, Port Eliza on the west coast of Vancouver Island, Uquat, Nootka, Uculet, Tofino, places that very few people will ever see especially the ones that you can't drive to by vehicle. You can only access by float plane or boat. And I would hear those people's accounts of their Sasquatches. And it was just amazing. And I was able to, I guess, 
compile knowledge. And even back 20 years ago, I remember thinking, it seems like these Sasquatches are seasonal migrators. And it wasn't until later on when I became an investigator that I really, really realized that seasonal abundant protein is what you have to dial in to increase your odds of having that close encounter of the hairy kind with a Sasquatch because that's where gonna, they're going to be, be it herring this time of year, hooligans, otherwise known as smelt spawning, the berry times, fawn drop where the deer and the elk go up above the tree lines in most cases and get into the alpine to drop their fawns because of the lush feed for milk production for the females. And of course, all the predators are up there because that's where the easy to harvest fawns are high protein with the greenery and everything as well and then you have the salmon runs coming in the shellfish season of winter time we have all kinds of different seasons and that's what sasquatch island is all about sharing with you things that i've learned heard and hopefully that's going to increase your odds and chances of coming across the sasquatch Please enjoy the slideshow scroll of uh, some pictures I took about my lifetime as a commercial herring fisherman during March and April throughout British Columbia. And I wish the boys and girls that are out there right now in the SOG, you know, has been looking out my window. The clouds are slowing down. The trees quit snapping back and forth. Hopefully the wind will abate from the sounds of it with the weather forecast for the next two to four days. And they'll get their fishery and be back into their ports before the next wind system comes. And for you that hopefully listen to this podcast and uh, you're in an area or going to travel to an area where herring spawn is going to take place, I wish you luck. Don't forget to uh, share with your friends and through your social media about MonsterXRadio.com, how it brings to you my podcast, Sasquatch Island, Shane Corson's podcast, uh, podcast with Gunnar Monson, our other team member. And by all means, don't forget to go to YouTube channel, Monster X Radio, so you can watch our video casts and our slideshow podcasts like this one. Don't forget to hit that bell icon so that you can be reminded when you post a new video. And don't forget to slap that subscribe button like Rogue Sasquatch slaps a disrespectful investigator upside the head because Monster X Radio, as you know, has become a free service, but it's all about that dang advertising with youtube and all that we need to meet that magic number of a hundred thousand and we're coming up fast you know i think we're at, you know over well over ten thousand now but anyway please hit that subscribe button tell other people chatter chatter like a sasquatch at monster x radio has sasquatch island bringing you unique stories perspectives encounters and beliefs pertaining to the sasquatch that come from my unique background i guess you could say as a commercial fisherman and uh hunting guide for many decades and living in the bush as well as from all those people that i've sat with on bulwarks of boats hatch covers docks bars and pubs and like my son in the herring pictures beside me there was tommy with grinning mouth and big eyes and awe listening to their stories about Sasquatch, the members of the other tribe. I thank you very much for listening. Be safe out there in your investigations in the language of my people. Halakulisla. Go in peace.